Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. Welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I'm here today with Michael Finnegan. Now, Michael Finnegan is a motivational speaker. He's an <laughs> author. He's an elite coach. I've added the word elite. In. And really? He, absolutely. And he's the man. You can see on his card that inspires greatness and empowers everyone. That's what it's all about, Jeanette, nice isn't it? Nice to have you here, Michael. Do you like that? Thank you for inviting me. It's a <laughs> privilege to be here. Uh, I got so excited about this. It's been a few months in the, in the making. Has. I think it has, yeah. But we made it two northerners together. Yeah, dangerous, eh? It is dangerous. One from Stretford and one from Chorley. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we are going to learn all about you because loads of people okay. will know you anyway. And you've right, worked well. with some pretty impressive clients and businesses as right. well. <laughs> I've been reading up on have you. you? Right. I have. Um, but I always like to start by just kind of hearing from, from the guest around their journey, where life started, okay. and kind of how you've ended up here, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Do you want me to fire away and tell you? Just go for it. Do you know the story or not? Well... No, I oh, do, might not, might do, might not, can't tell you. So, <laughs> so I start, I'm born in Chorley in Lancashire and um, I only ever wanted to be, well, I wanted to be Virgil Tracy, first of all, the pilot's Thunderbird yeah. too, you probably don't know who that is, but, <laughs> you know, you've got to want to be a Thunderbird when you're a little boy, right? So I wanted to be Thunderbird too. And actually the choice of Thunderbird turns out to be significant. Because the four, do you know anything about this? There are four Thunderbirds, No, right? you're going to have to educate me. There's Thunderbird one, Thunderbird two, Thunderbird three, and imaginatively Thunderbird four. There's actually Thunderbird five as well, but Thunderbird one is a very aggressive Thunderbird. Oh. Thunderbird two is a very poised and polished Thunderbird. Thunderbird three is a very lovely chap. And then Thunderbird four does all the dirty work. Now, that is pretty much how organisations and teams are made up, as it turns out. So whoever was... Um, consulting with Jerry Anderson when he created that, they mm. did something very psychologically valid, mm. which I've then spent years studying by accident. And then thought, hang on a minute, no wonder I wanted to be a Thunderbird too, because I'm the bloody show-off guy, you know what I mean? And <laughs> the show-off has Thunderbird too. He doesn't do anything, he just looks good kind of thing. <laughs> That's me, I don't do anything, just look good. So I wanted to be Thunderbird too, and then I thought, oh, I can't do that, because it's a puppet. I didn't realise, you know, devastated. So then I wanted to be a footballer, Right, and if you're a footballer and you're a show-off footballer, you've got to be a centre forward. So I wanted to be a centre forward. It's all psychologically consistent and valid. This, yeah. so became an apprentice footballer at a place called Blackburn Rovers, which nobody's ever. You've been very kind there. Blackburn. Nobody's ever heard of Blackburn Rovers. Right? <laughs> I am. Even Blackburn Rovers fans don't dream of playing for Blackburn Rovers. Let's be honest, right? So I woke up one morning when I was 17 and told myself and said, look, Finnegan, and I was doing all right, but like, come on, you know, when you were little, you didn't dream of, you dreamt of playing for Manchester United, not Blackburn Rovers, so we've gone off beam somewhere, this has not worked out. Now, I could either carry on until they told me it wasn't going to work out, or just have a word with myself at the end of one season, and never go back, and that's what I did. 
So when I was 18, I didn't go back. And, and in those days, nobody phoned you and said, where are you? They were just probably glad you didn't bother, you know. Yeah. So I didn't carry my apprenticeship on. I, I, left, I left and got a job in HS, what's now HSBC. It was Midland Bank then. Sorry, you, your listeners won't have heard of this. They will, of There course. was a bank called Midland Bank. I remember Midland. The, the listening bank with nothing between its ears, we used to call it at the time. <laughs> That's what we used to call it. We, well, sorry, it was on the telly as the listening bank, but we used to go, the listening bank with nothing between its ears. So we, I joined there. And I found I was pretty good at that because I'm curious and um, questioning and, you know, interested and how can I help and why do you do it all that way? So I, was, so I thought, I get paid for being nosy. That's what I thought I was doing, right? And and loved it and, and seriously thought I was changing the world. And, you know, you were now going to employ three extra people because of the money I was lending you and you're buying a new machine. And I thought, that's awesome. That is. So I, I was a bit taken away with how, how good it was. Mm. But nobody else was. Everybody else was just doing the 40 years and retiring. So it's like, he's the nutcase in the corner who thinks he's changing the world. And, um, and, and I went from HSBC to Allied Irish and Allied Irish to Sokgen. And in Sokgen, I had a big train set. I could do anything I wanted in the UK in 1987 or thereabouts, right? But we had some real fun. Made a real name for ourselves in that, the team doing it. Um, got, you know, headhunted isn't the right word, but got approached by a couple of companies to, to would you like to set up a bank for us? So ERF Trucks came and said, would you like to set up a bank for us? Like, yeah, how'd you do that? <laughs> Never done that before. Let's go and find out. So I did a bit of playing with that. And that's when I started studying psychometric profiling, psychological profile, and found out that Thunderbirds was a valid psychological model with these four types. So I got into that. And when I went on the training course, this is a long, I'm trying to be short now for a long <laughs> story. When I went on the training course, I was 32 by then. The guy taking the course was 63. It was a five-day accreditation course. Only four of us on it. And the guy behind him was 90 and not involved in the business because he was running a business anyway. And his business was called Aon, the guy that the old the guy was running, right? Yeah. Billionaire, yeah. founder of Aon. Wow. 90 years old, invested in this psychometric testing company. And they'd come to teach me how to do it, right? So... I didn't know this, right? I won the lot. So I looked at like 10 tests, picked this one to be to, to, to get the you know a license to sell, won the lottery, because the, the 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 legacy behind it was all the way back to the founder of Aeon. This amazing, amazing human being. In my opinion, the greatest human being that's ever lived. Wow. Barnum, called W. Clement Stone. If you don't know who he is, find out. Because he's, or he would, he's dead now, but he would have been a guest on this podcast because oh, you'd have loved him. Amazing. The loveliest, most wonderful human being of all time. I never met him, by the way, because he had 65,000 people. I was just one of them. Mm. And I wasn't number one. So I met a load of his people, worked with a load of his people. And they all mentored me then, supported me in my journey. So if you think what happened, I went on this psychometric testing course. I was 32. The guy was 63, the old fellow was 90. It's a 30-year gap, right? And halfway through the course, I was pecking this guy's head. So I was, I was getting my training course in the daytime. And in the evenings, I was saying, like, can I buy you dinner? And he was like, for the first night, he went, yeah, lovely. Second night, he was like, okay. By the Wednesday, he was like, leave me. You're stalking me. Leave me alone. You know, he didn't want dinner with me on the Wednesday night. But I insisted. Thursday night, dinner, you know. 
So I was getting my psychometric testing course in the daytime and how to be a billionaire course in the evening or mm. tell me about the billionaire. Right? So on the Friday then, we had a one-on-one -on -one with this fella, the 63-year-old Art. And, and I'm dead impatient, mate. So there was, you, you did the test in the morning to whether you got the certificate or not. Everybody gets one. It's a fudge, really. And, and then uh, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, one-on-one with him. So I'm on at four o'clock. So of course, to an impatient person, I want to be on at one o'clock, right? And he went, Just go away, come back at four o'clock. I was like, this is ridiculous. It's a Friday afternoon. Like, go away, come back at four. Three hours, what? So, no. so I come back at four o'clock and he says, right, let me tell you why I left you to last, right? And I'm thinking, yeah, because I'm in trouble because you found out I'm a lunatic on a psychometric <laughs> profile or whatever. He said, no, because the old man in Chicago, I faxed him your psychometric test this week when I found, when I saw it, because we'd done our own profile. And he said, we had a chat about you on Wednesday night. And we've decided that he's 90, hanging his boots up. I'm 60, hanging my boots up. And we are going to pass this business to you. And you are going to be our next generation guru, or whatever you want to call it. That's what they, and that's why they left me till four o'clock to make me this offer. How would you like to train with us to learn how to come and stop being a banker? Come and do this. Come and inspire greatness in people. And I thought... How cool is that? That's what Virgil Tracy would have, that's what he, yeah. that's why I wanted to be Virgil Tracy, because I wanted to be the man who did that. So I went, I said to him, you are on, and I shook hands with him, and he said, you better go and ask Mrs. Finnegan before you commit to that. And I thought, oh, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> Good idea. So I went and asked Mrs. Finnegan then, and she said, no, but we did it anyway. <laughs> um, so that's, that was it. So sorry for the long answer, but that's how I got here, by bumping into geniuses, who taught me how to inspire greatness in people when I knew nothing about it. Wow. That's how it happened. Complete chance. And if it hadn't happened, I would have hung my boots up at Sock Gen and gone and retired somewhere and, you know, yeah, sat on yeah. the beach or whatever they do. Instead of which, I'm still charging on like a lunatic trying to save the world, thinking I'm Virgil Tracy. Well, there you are. Save the world. Now, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna challenge you a little bit. Yeah, go on. Because you said it was pure <coughs> chance. Ah, oh, yeah. Now... Please tell me it wasn't. Really? Yeah. Well, no, hang on a minute, because I, I'm i a big I'm a big believer that I think we attract things to us. Mm. You know, you put good out in the world, you will get, generally, we'll get good back. And if you raise your vibration and open your eyes to stuff, and you actually, when you were talking there, I was thinking, God, <laughs> he's ballsy, right? He's pushing himself forward. You're curious. You're in their face. You're, you know, you're kind of going, I, I want to learn some new yeah. stuff here. And you were tenacious. So I don't think it was by chance no. that that opportunity no. came. No, so, can I come back at you? Because you know please. what it was. You know what it was, right? When I said to you the banking thing, curiosity. Mm. Hang on, are you going to pay me for being nosy and asking questions? I couldn't believe I got that job, right? Mm. I didn't really do anything. I loved it. So what I was doing when I turned up on that first day, I was going like, Hang on, your business is who owns your bit? You know, I'm saying to this guy, Who are you? Well, I'm the owner of this business. All oh, right, is it is it just yours? He must have been thinking. <laughs> You're a bit cheeky, you're a bit cheeky like, we only just met, you know, who wants it? Well, me and a billionaire. Oh, <laughs> you and a billionaire, who's that for? So then I'm in, aren't I, I guess? But, but what I think happens, and it's happened to me before in my career, by the way, Gina, mm. is I'm not being curious to gain, any, I'm not trying to gain anything, you know what I mean? I'm not, yeah, yeah. I don't want a job, do just I, off the guy? Naturally, naturally, sure. I'm just Interesting. curious, right? Yeah. And I don't know I'm being interviewed, do I? 
you know, I yeah. think sometimes we're being interviewed when we don't know we're being interviewed, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's what was happening to me. I just wanted to know. And, I, and when he told me, I loved it. And I, I wanted to know more, you know. So, I mean, it, it was worse than I've just told because we started the course at nine o'clock, right? Eight o'clock in the morning. I'm knocking on the door. He was like, he's here again. Like, he's, he's an hour early. Morning. <laughs> I think he was like pretending he was not in, hiding behind the desk, you know. <laughs> I was, I was in his face all the time, not for any gain as such. I didn't yeah. want a job or anything. I just wanted to know. Yeah. I just wanted to be better. I wanted to learn, you know, and I have always been like that, I guess. Yeah. Where, does it, where does it come from? Is that, yeah. I mean, in terms of kind of parents, siblings, early life? My mum's like that, in fairness. My mum's a, a lunatic. She's 83. When she was 54, when I started learning this and she was asking me about it, she said... Uh, so, so have I, am I limitless then? And I said, of course you are, mum, yeah. She said, well, when, you, when I was a little girl, your granddad said to me, because he died earlier, her dad, right. her dad I, I want you to be a helicopter pilot. And I've never done it, and I'm 54. Can I still do it? I said, mum, of course you can. So when she was 54, she started learning to be a helicopter pilot. Wow, good on her. And when she was 60, she became one. The oldest woman ever to do it, excuse me, at Manchester Air, certainly in Blackpool where she did it. They'd yeah. never seen anybody even remotely like that. So she's phoning me on the day that she does it going, oh, well, I've passed. I was like, oh, no, how, what have they done? Make, let me mum pass. And she said, what are you doing tomorrow? And I thought, I better think of something quick because I know what she's doing. I know where I'm going to be going. I was in the flipping helicopter with her the day after, flying with my mum in helicopter oh. over, the, over Liverpool, like 60. So it's in her, really. I think, and if you see her now, eighty-three, if she if she was here now, she'd know all about you and create. She'd know all about everything. And then when I went to her, when I go to her house in two months' time, she'll go, "How's things look? Fine, mum. How's and and I get this list. How's Jimmy? How's and then she go and how's Jeanette? I go, it's fine. As if I've heard from Jim, you know, like, oh, what a lovely lady. And how's her husband, Chris? I don't know. So I think it comes from her a little bit. She's, she would remember all the things I told her about you. Yeah. And she'd want to know, you know. So I think it comes from there, really. But it's a, So maybe you do attract stuff, don't you? But what I would say is unwitting, unwittingly. Yeah. Just by being me, not by thinking, oh, what can I get out of this? Yeah. No, Absolutely I'm, not. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's the same with them, um, with sort of networking and things like that, isn't it? Because I always, exactly. I always think, I always say to people that I work with, start with the other person. Always think about how you can help the other person, first and foremost. It's not about what you can get out not of it. Not at all, is it? Now, the law of reciprocity has a great way of working, doesn't it? And normally you put good out and it will eventually come back to you. And if it doesn't, well, at least you've done the right thing and you've helped someone anyway. Yeah. But I think it's it's that attitude around yeah. just curiosity, natural a natural sort of desire to learn. Um, yeah. Because you know, every day is a school day, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And to give, right? Yeah. A desire to give. I think yeah. people do a couple of things wrong with networking. As you said, I think they go to gain, not to give. Yeah. There is a phrase, isn't there, somewhere that I've heard, I think, called giver's gain. Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah. Givers. And I think it and I don't have seen it written down. Yeah. I think it means people who give gain. I think that's what it means. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I definitely believe that. But also, mm-hmm. I, one of the things, you know, advice I was given by the old guy in Chicago was, if we give you the if we give you these powers, because they taught me these powers, right? Mm. If we teach you these powers, and I have I've researched them and embe- you know embellished them, grown them. They didn't they didn't act, they weren't actually that well explained when I started studying. So I've had yeah. to work a lot on them. But but he said you've got to teach them to everybody. You've got to so I think one of the things people do with a network, they, they go like, who's going? 
who's going to be there? And, and they would have said to me, hey, who, who do you think you are? Go. Yeah. Just go. Never mind working out who's got the most impressive guest list. Go. Yeah. And that has been one of the best pieces of advice I have ever been given. Mm. Just go. I once went to a do. One of my mates for me, hey Finn, you're going to believe you're going to be a speaker. Come and speak for me. Oh yeah, go on, where at? The Institute of the Motor Industry in Penrith on a Thursday night at seven o'clock in November. And this, and I could hear his voice, the old fella going, Finnegan, Just go. Yeah. Of course, Brian, I'd love to come. It would be an honour, you know. Yeah. I got I got paid me petrol money, which was £6.82 and a sausage dinner I got, right? Yeah. But there in that audience was a lad. There was eight people turned up. To this do. Mm. I've driven all that way, 90 odd miles, and his best mate was coach of a Premier League rugby team, rugby league team called Hull Sharks. So I ended up working with them. We did five matches for them, they were owned by David Lloyd. Okay, right? yeah. After five matches, we'd lost five games. He sacked us all. Uh, one of the five games was against Wigan. <laughs> we we got beat 58-6. I was in the clubhouse after the game, in the in the pub after, bar after the game, and the, the Wigan coach John Morney came up to me and, and to to, um, to to, to uh, Pete, who was the coach, and said, uh, "Who's this mate? Who's this Pete?" And he said, "Oh, this is Michael Finnegan, uh, John." John said, "Hello, Michael. Nice to meet you." I said, "Nice to meet you, Johnny. Big star, John." Like, mm. and he said, "What do you do for Pete?" And I said, "I'm the psychologist." I thought he was going to die laughing because <laughs> I just beat 58-6. I thought his head was going to fall <laughs> off his shoulders, right? And I said, and I, he looked at me and he said, I'm sorry, Michael, he said, I'm just thinking what your job's going to be like for the next couple of days, you know? <laughs> and then a, a really brilliant rugby player called Gary Conley walked in and he went, Gary, Gary, before you go to the bar, come and meet this bloke. <laughs> so, so I then get introduced to all the Wigan team who were just all about laughing every time. Because John Money went, this is Michael. And, he, and I went, hello, Gary. He went, hello, Michael. And he said, ask him what he does for a living. And he was like that. And, and so I said, I'm the psychologist. They were all giving it that, you know. And I, yeah. and I got into And one of them was a guy called Dean Bell, who was the director of rugby for Wigan. And Dean gave me his card and said, come and see us, I really like you. I ended up working for Wigan. We won the world championship. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Now, trace that back. Yeah. I won the world championship with Wigan. Where did that come from? Penrith on a Thursday night, yeah. right? So don't mess about with your networking. Go and give, yeah. isn't it? Hundred percent. Wonderful advice that yeah. we between has been given. It sounds like. absolutely, yeah. And thank God yeah. for that. Yeah, and and also you just you know people judge, don't they? You know they judge by what someone's wearing, how they speak, you know all of that yeah. kind of quite often materialistic type stuff. Yeah, shallow, but really. Ac yeah, actually, it's often, you know, the person that you least expect has yeah. probably got the most the most money, the most success, and they're the most humble, you know. Yeah. And But we judge, don't we? And we think, oh, actually, I this did... is the one to speak to when you really should be talking to the guy in the corner that's well, a did tatty one, pair of trainers. Even better <laughs> than that, right? I did one once, and it was it was a women's institute. And I said to my mate, this mate, my mate of mine, he's desperate for a speaker. I said, you've got to be kidding me. He said, come on, Mike. I'll just come and do half an hour. So I went to this cricket club. There was like 12 women there, all 60 plus, right? Mm. And I rock up and I'm talking about, you know, W. Clement Stone and all this yeah. stuff. And it was very, very, very early days. And, and about three days later, I got a phone call from the chief exec of Dreams Beds. Mm. He went, hello. He said, I'm not sure what this is about, but my mother's told me you're the man I need to come and sort my business out. Nice. His mum. 
was one of the women in the audience. She was like, he said, she's 85. But when she says, I'm, I need a speaker, I need a speaker. So you better come and have a coffee. And we became mates and I'm still mates to this day. I mean, you know what I mean? You, just, you don't know, do you? Go, Definitely. go to your event and give and have a great night. And, and, and like you then said, you're putting something out to the, what did you say? The unit? Yeah, put out to the happening, isn't it? And yeah, it, yeah. It'll come back, won't it? 100%. It'll come back. And that's, and I, I also think that's a really nice core belief to, for people to walk around with. Mm. You know, that the, that the universe will look after me or whatever it is you, yeah, you'd say. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think good people get good things. So yeah, maybe that's what we're talking about, I, I guess. So. I think so. And you, I mean, you've had some incredible clients, haven't you, that you've worked with in the world of sports, in the world yeah. of business. So let's talk about the individuals that you've worked with and some of the some of the really and, and I'm sure not with betraying any confidence, no, obviously. Of um but the, there are some pretty big hitters that you've worked with in, there the, world, are, yeah. in the world of sports. Um, yeah. so can you just pick out a couple of them maybe and yeah, just give sure. us a bit of a backstory and, sure, and kind yeah. of you know how it all played out? Well, there out. are some great stories. I mean I mean one of the um we we've spent ninety nine percent of our time, probably ninety five percent of time of our time working in, in big business. Yes. And that's always fulfilling, you know, but we're working on projects that are delivering billions of value, right? Oh, really? Does my mum want to hear about that? Not really. Um, do, you know, do, 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 do audiences that I speak to want to hear about billions? No, they're not really that impressed. What they want to hear about is, what was it like working with, you know, Andrew Flintoff? What was exactly. it like working with Darren Clark? What was it like winning the FA Cup? You know, they, they want to hear them. And what we do then is we weave the business messages into some of those. So we've also spent time working with homeless people. So the Mustard Tree in mm. Manchester is, is one of the charities that we've worked with in the past. We're working at the moment with prisoners through friends like James Timpson yep. uh, and Fox Construction, bringing people out of prison there. So we do a bit of that. Uh, we've worked with children in schools who are not going to get any GCSE. So we've worked probably three or 4% of our time in those areas. Mm. And then 1% in sport, only 1%. We're not sports yeah. psychologists or anything, but inevitably, what we found very early on is that sport is, it's an attention grabber. You know, you, you can't get, I, I wouldn't get on Sky TV to talk about the work we're doing in Rolls-Royce or whatever, mm. but I'll get on Sky TV to talk about winning with the FA Cup with Wigan or, I mean, when, when Darren Clark won the Open Golf Championship at the age yeah. of 42, Amazing. you know, people would have thought it's too late. You can't, you can't do that at that age then. You know, he was a bit heavy, Darren, and mm. as I say, 40 odd years old, played in it 20 odd times, never won it. Back said, you know what, you can. You really can. So one of the fondest memories I've got is Darren standing at Sandwich in Kent holding the Autumn Championship at the age of 42 when he never thought he would. And reading out um, three names in his speech, one of them was uh, his wife, Heather, who died of cancer. Yeah. Um, how many years? About, about six or seven years earlier. Uh, one is manager, Chubby Chandler, who's, who was a friend of mine for years, and then Michael Finnegan. And you think, and I had, a, I got a phone call from Sarchi and Sarchi in New York saying, Darren Clark's just mentioned your name, double your prices, this guy said to me, <laughs> um, and which, which was interesting. But, you know, to, to work on that. Now, that, that came from working with a snooker player called Jimmy White, Jimmy White yeah, who yeah. was friends with uh, one of um, Darren's backroom team. So I did this work with Jimmy White. He was world number 50. We did some work. He, he, he did really, really well. He was alcoholic. Yeah. He was he was busted for drugs. Um, he was he was taking Prozac for depression. This was all in the public domain. Uh, he had cancer, testicular cancer. You know, serious mm. shape. Thirty seven years old. Everybody thought a little bit late in his life to be good at snooker. But within three weeks, we had him from world number fifty to world number five. And I think that's fairly typical of people as a as a 
a kind of a sensational change in performance because what happens is people get all realistic. Mm. I think the worst piece of advice you can ever get is to be realistic. I just mm. do not. That's not a word that's in my vocabulary. And he was being realistic. What I mean by that is people said to him, Jim, Jim, I know you're frustrated because you're only world number 50, but you got cancer, but yeah. you're an alcoholic, but yeah. you're taking pros. You know, so for somebody in your position, and you're 37, by the way, you know spring chicken, you're doing really well. That's the last thing the guy needs to hear, right? Yeah. But that's people trying to help him, trying to not let himself up, set himself up for a fall, you know? Yeah. So your mates are saying, don't dream of being world number five. Because you'll just set yourself up mm. for failure. Dream of being world number 50. Because that's all you're good for at this stage of your life, right? Mm. Now, I go and see him. And I'm saying, where do you want to be? Not where do I want you to be. Not where do your mates want you to be. Where do you want to be? He said, I'm still good enough to be top five in the world. So I said, well, let's go. Let's do it then. Three weeks later, he was number five. You know what I mean? He's still getting paid money. For, that was 1998, that project. He's still getting paid money. Now to play snooker, his life's better than it's ever been. But you've got to, you've got to keep the dream alive, mm. and you've got to stop listening to people who are maybe well intentioned in what they're trying to say to you. Yeah, but it's not, it's not helping because what they're because what they're doing, they're giving you advice that they would give to them if they were in your shoes. They're not saying to you, Jim, where do you want to be? Now, what happened is when Jimmy got to world number five, he was interviewed by the BBC. And they said to him, what's happened to you? You're a different person. And he said, I'm working with a motivator. <laughs> and, and he said, you what? You're working? And nobody had heard of one, Jeanette. Nobody had <laughs> heard of one then. He said, you're working with a what? And he said on the interview, I'm working with a bloke who's unblocked my drains. And they must have thought I was a plumber or something. You know what I mean? Like, what? <laughs> and he said, unblock my drains. And he looked at the camera and said, this bloke's name's Michael Finnegan. If you've got a problem with your life, give him a call. And 13.7 million people watched that interview. Incredible. So I learned by complete accident, PR's pretty good. And sport is a little bit more of a magnet for PR than Rolls-Royce's latest results or whatever. Yeah. So, so that was a complete accident, Jeanette, that happened mm. for us because Darren Clark phoned him and said, I want this guy's number. So next minute, I get a phone call from Darren Clark. You'd love this. Does your stuff work in golf? I said, until this morning, I didn't know it worked in snooker. How do I know if it works in golf? I have no idea. And he said, let's give it a go. So that's how I met Chubby, Darren's manager. And then, and hey, listen, it was a long journey. That was in 1998 when that phone call came from Chubby and, and Darren. But we didn't win the uh, Open Championship until 2011 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So it was, a, it was 20 years of a journey, you know. But it took him that long to get comfortable in his own skin to see that he could be a winner and then it wasn't too late to achieve everything he's dreamed of as a little boy and once you get that point where you get that sense of destiny where you get that sense of bring it on I'm ready mm. it happens the magic happens then mm. but you have to feel worthy of it Jeanette before it'll come yeah. you know so to see Darren hold that sorry long answer but to see Darren hold that trophy at the age of 42 oh. you know and, and when he took it he was on sports personality of the year that year he finished second in the end but the video on BBC when he when he he took that trophy home to Northern Ireland and his two boys, Tyrone and Connor, were waiting at the door and he, and he took it in. Tyrone, the older one, very, very sensitive. Connor, as usual, the younger one, tough as old boots, you know. <laughs> Connor grabs the trophy. Uh, Tyrone grabs his dad and, and cries, his, cries his heart out because oh. they were both thinking about Heather, you know, he wasn't, yeah, he course, wasn't there, you know. So to see that on the BBC and think, my job's pretty cool, really. 
Yeah. My job's pretty cool. Now it's, you know, listen, I've got to be honest, the stuff we do in, with the prisoners and the stuff we do with the homeless people is much cooler. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. much more heartwarming and, and positive to do. But when you see something like that on a, on a massive scale, change your life and hopefully inspire mm. people, then yeah, my mum's got the photo of Darren and a little, you know, I couldn't have done this without your son. So she's got that on the wall at home and the FA Cup's on the other wall. Amazing. You know, so they are good. It is it is nice. And it's important for the business that we, we have that profile, yeah, you know. Yeah. I've gone all goose pimply when you, were, when you were saying that about going home with sons and I'm just kind of thinking, oh my gosh. You'll, you'll just, still see you know, it. If you find them, you'll still see it. And little, you know, Tyrone cries his, cries his eyes out. Yeah. And there's Connor running off with the trophy, you know, <laughs> typical of... An older kid and a younger kid, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, goosebumps, goosebumps, and and I'm sat there thinking, have I have I played a little part in that? Like, oh my god, you well, know. Well, a big part by the. When I was a little boy, Jeanette, I dreamed of holding the FA Cup. Well, I've I've held it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Not as a guest, as a winner. I'm dreamed of holding the Autumn Championship. I, I've I've held it. Yeah. You know, these are awesome things. One one of the things we did, the end of the Wigan Warriors story, is one of the managers who took over at Wigan, coaches a guy called Michael Maguire, and, and I'm from Chorley, and, and there's a hotel in, in, in Chorley, and, and I used to meet Michael near this hotel on a Monday morning when we were planning what we were going to do with Wigan Warriors, and he came one morning and said, hey, he said, you're the first one to know. I'm resigning, and I'm going to go and work back home in Australia. And I, and I said, you've got to be kidding. Come on, we're doing great, Gumsy. We're world champions again, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, no, no. He said, my boss came to Chorley last night. Stayed in a hotel in Chorley. I said, your new boss from Sydney? And he said, yeah, yeah. He said, you'll know him. I said, trust me, I will not know your boss from Sydney. He said, Mike, it's Russell Crowe. No. Russell Crowe <laughs> owns a rugby club. I didn't know this, by the way. No. So it turns out Russell Crowe owns a rugby club uh, in Sydney called South Sydney Rabbitohs. He comes to kill a court in Chorley. And Michael signs his con. He flew from LA, I think, to Manchester, got a cab to Chorley, stayed at Killay Court for one night, signs Michael Maguire up. So six months later, I'm in Sydney working for Russell Crowe. Three years later, we were bottom of the league, third bottom of the league, uh, Rabbitohs. Three years later, world champions. And Russell Crowe came to St. Helens to watch this world championship game with his mate, from Gladiator, the black guy, oh, Juba, yeah. he yeah, came, yeah. he stood in the corner all night, he'd never met rugby players, he thought, give me a Gladiator any day, these lot are <laughs> nutcases, right? He came and, and we sat and celebrated a three-year journey from nothing to being champions of the world. So my me, me job's taken me to places I never dreamed it would take me, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Because you don't think of things like that, but hey, come on, dream big, stick at it, Mm-hmm. And the world will reward you, right? Take That's what you've said this today, yeah. isn't it? Oh, 100%. I, I 100% believe it. Really do. So I've been lucky. But, well, you know, as you said, you attract it. I you've made that. it happen as well. Yeah, right? and, it, and it's been, a, uh, you know, if I, if I, if I, I mean, I work for Manchester United and, you know, won the Cricket World Cup with the Indian cricket team. That's another one of my loves. And you just think, blimey, pretty good. But you know what? Having, you've got to be audacious. You've got to go, why not, right? Yeah. You've got to, why not? Why not me? You why know, not? if I might, if I'm going to fail, I might as well fail big. Yeah. So why don't I become the number one in the world at what I do? Because I am. Yeah. Uh, well, so why don't I do that? Yeah. Exactly. Let's give it a go. And that's the other thing, isn't it? I always think that two really two powerful words. What if? You know. So what if we win? What yeah, if? What you if know. How happens? will our life be different? How? Yeah. You know. What if? And 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 it's the art of the art of the possible, isn't it? 
and there aren't it, any limits. It really is. But, but Jeanette, a lot of people don't think like that. Jimmy White was thinking, as long as I earn a good living. Darren Clark was thinking, as long as I earn a good living. Mm. Wigan Athletic, when we won the FA Cup, weren't going to win the Cup. They were playing Manchester City. Mm. Man City are billionaires. Martinez said to me, we, we can't go and win the FA Cup. We get beat 2-0, that's been a good day. Right? Mm. So now we got people dreaming of losing 2-0. Yeah. <laughs> and that, although it sounds like crazy to you and me, hey, that's about respect and reputation. So what they're thinking is, yeah, if we lose 2-0, we can still go and manage another football team. We can yeah. still go and get another contract, right? Whereas if we get beat 10-0, mm-hmm. which is what they think might happen, we've blown our reputation. Nobody mm-hmm. will touch us with a barge pole. So, so people lower those expectations to make yeah. them realistic and then they can achieve them and they stop dreaming, yeah. what if? Yeah, yeah. And I guess my job is to help them reawaken that. Yeah. So, I mean, your results you've had are just phenomenal, clearly, for individuals, for teams, for businesses. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it really is phenomenal. Thank you. Um, obviously, every client, every business is different. Every context is different. So yes. I'm sure what you do is very tailored and bespoke to the, the here it and is. now and, and what, what the situation is. But there must be some common aspects, some common themes, almost the ingredients to yeah. get that success. Yeah. So do you want to just talk through a couple of those? Because yeah. anyone listening, they might be thinking, wow, this sounds amazing. One bloody hell, I need to get Michael and my team. <laughs> um, but also, you know, actually, are there some things that they can start putting into practice for themselves, for their businesses, you know, just so that yeah. they can start to think, actually, yeah, I need to focus on this because it can achieve results like Michael's achieved with, with the people he works with. Yeah, and, and, the, and the first thing I'd say is, if I was asking a listener to do anything, I'd say, what's the biggest you can dream of mm. you know what's the that's what i'd say if you wanted to put something in practice now start thinking about the greatest thing that would really all that we listen we all make sacrifice we're all dedicated aren't we we all work hard we yep. work our you know our tails off don't we yeah so if you're going to do that make it worth it so what could you dream of that would make it worth it would be the thing that i would ask people to do immediately mm. and then see you know because jimmy was dreaming of being world number 50 right well after we had our chat it was no, hang on a minute. Well, number five is possible. So, so he was dreaming about being bigger and Darren Clark dreamed about winning the Open Championship. So, so I'd say to people, dream what you can dream of. Mm. It would be the first thing. In terms of our methodology, we often start by saying, by trying to help people work out because they won't know, am I a Thunderbird one or a Thunderbird? Which one am I, right? Yeah. Because we are one. And, and what we must not do, and I've got to do it later today with someone is, stop trying to be Thunderbird four when actually you're really well cut out to be a Thunderbird one. Because there's nothing wrong with being a Thunderbird one, right? Just be a brilliant one. So let's first of all establish that baseline. They are, they are because of the way we're hardwired, really, really difficult to change. I'm not saying you can't change them. But what I would say to people is, if you look at, at, at the, the journey you're going to undertake to try to change that, the amount of effort that you've put into it could have been so much better spent perfecting the Thunderbird you are rather than the Thunderbird you're dreaming of. So, yeah. so my advice, I wouldn't work with someone who wants to change the Thunderbird. No. I want to help you be an amazing, whichever one you are. So that's yeah. the first thing. Mm. Let's get over that. Then, when you start working with people, there are 10 things that people have to do to, to, to gain that high performance, bold, brave, brilliant, whatever it is, mentality, right? Yeah. There are 10 things you've got to do. One of which is work out who you are. So that's the first one. And so then what I spend my time doing then is teaching them these nine things and then holding their hands while they learn to implement them in their lives. Now, it doesn't take as long as we think it might because actually the nine things that I ask you to do, you're kind of doing them anyway. 
yeah. but, but didn't realise you were doing it, right? So, so, for instance, Darren Clark, when he was 29 years old, when I started working with him, he didn't win the Open Championship till he was 42. But when he was 29 years old, I asked him to tell me about his life when he was 50. Now, that's one of the nine things that I ask people to do, to tell me about their life in the future. And, and he would have said to me, no, I, I don't do that. I live for today. So I remember taking up a pen and saying, oh, is that right? So, so when you're 50, uh, where will you be living? And he said, I'll be living in Portrush. That's all where I always wanted to live. So, okay, so I write down Portrush. So I start writing down, as I answer the more broken down questions, I said to him, will you still be fat? Uh, and he said, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I said, will you still smoke too much? And he said, yes. And I said, will you still be verging on being an alcoholic? And he said, yes. So I looked at his, I showed him there and I held a piece of paper up and mm. said, so here's your, here's your plan for when you're 50. I thought you didn't do one. And he looked at it and said, I don't. And I said, I think you're fine, you do. But what you're now learning is it's not a very good one. Yeah. Now, the fortunate thing is we're only 29. So we'll change it. Should we change it? And, and, and we, we tore up that piece of paper and we wrote another plan. And the next plan said, Ryder Cup captain. It said, open champion, respected around the world. Now then, what do you think? That looks better. That looks better. So we teach people things like that and then hold their hands then whilst they learn to implement them in their lives and kind of gently back out of the room so they don't see us, then they realise we're not there anymore. Because having me do it to them or for them isn't sustainable. It's not healthy. Mm. Um, they have to learn to do it for themselves. And that's what we're trying to do. Right? Okay, it might take us a couple of years or whatever, but we want to back out and do it. So that's our methodology. Assess where we are. Agree that we're going to be a brilliant version of us, not somebody else. Yeah. Um, you know, some cra crazy thing we've got in our mind. And then learn how to implement high performance as a mindset. We'll hold your hand. So probably three three phases to it. And hopefully make it a shed load of fun. Yeah. And laughter and tears, you know, along the way. And confront some reality. And always with a light at the end of the tunnel. But make it enjoyable. Mm. So we've had a great ride and a good and a fun ride. And loved it, loved every minute of it, you know, and, and then achieved what we were truly capable of. That's what, that's what we want. So that's kind of the, the methodology we, we go through. So you've got to be up for that journey. Yeah, yeah. If you come with us, you know, we're going we're gonna to get there. We'll get there. Yeah, I, I love it. It's brilliant because it, it's actually not overly complicated. It's just that you're asking the right questions. You're, you know, it's, it's hidden there, isn't it, inside people often. Jeanette, but they just haven't got the confidence to bring it out. I teach it to footballers. <laughs> can't be complicated <laughs> do you get what i'm saying yeah yeah absolutely we're teaching it to footballers yeah, yeah it is yeah. not complicated yeah and, and the part of the reason it's not complicated sorry i interrupted you there but no, i wanted to good. make that point right yeah. is that that we we when you look at these nine things that are you know like the like the one we just talked about with darren there yeah. everybody's doing that everybody's doing what darren did aren't they mm. i'm gonna have a little cottage by the sea with a picket fence and well you know what what we do we win the lottery we all do it but we don't realise we're doing it. Every single person on the planet uses our nine techniques. And 0.1% of them know that they use them. And they're the ones who have all the happiness and all the success. Mm. But that, that formula is available to everyone because you were using it since you were in the eye to a grasshopper. These techniques are how you got a dog. You decided you wanted one before you had one and you... You, you made it materialise. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. when your mum and dad said you weren't having one, you got one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's you using the power of your mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've all done it. Yeah, 100%. It's in every single person I've ever worked with. 
including the ones in prison, including the ones that the schools had enough of. Mm. It's in all of them. Yeah. No exceptions. You know, it's, and that's that is awesome. You're not putting it in. Mm. You're getting it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to put it in. It's there. Yeah, no, I love that. And and, and that's, that's the thing, isn't it? No limits for, for people, actually. As long as you've got the right mindset. It's an inside job, isn't it? It's always got to be an inside job to start with. It is, though, isn't it? You that's know, now mentoring, coaching, I think, helps. Yeah. But actually, it's in there. Yeah, it, My mum can be a helicopter pilot. Trust me, anybody can do anything. That's amazing. It is a anybody great story. I love that. What's your, your mum's name? Pauline. And, Pauline. And I, I did a TED Talk a few years ago. Uh, and on TED, I tell the story and show a picture and everything. And, and uh, yeah, it's a great example, isn't it? When, when she used to fly on her own, she's, she's 16 kilograms beneath the weight limit to fly a helicopter. So when she f- used to fly on her own, she used to have to carry a bag of bricks weighing 16 <laughs> kilograms and put them on the floor. And, and you can't switch it on because if you switch it on and, you, and you're not heavy enough, it starts, it starts moving about. You can't do that. So she'd carry this bag of bricks weighing 16. My little mother, four foot ten. You know, 60 years old, carrying a bag of bricks to the helicopter, putting it in, and then flying off to London or for a coffee. Fantastic. I've got to meet Pauline. Oh, you've oh, got, got to. to meet She's Pauline. nuts. She's nuts. She used to say to me, am I your most famous student? I used to say, yes. <laughs> she used to, and people used to say to me, when you come and speak at our conference, will you bring your mum? I was going, please don't. Maybe. And I've done speeches at conferences with my mother. Oh. And she thinks she's the flipping star. You oh, know? yeah, of course. And, and she has them on the feet and in tears and tells a story. She's nuts. Amazing. She's not, she would love to meet you. She really would. Flipping oh. it. What a story. Fantastic. What a story. Amazing. So, listen, I want to talk a little bit about um, failure. Yeah. Approach to failure because yeah. not everything goes goes swimmingly, does it? In life, in Doesn't. business, in careers, whatever. There's highs and lows. So, when you're working with someone and maybe they're not getting the results, yeah, um, or they've had a knockback or a disappointment or whatever, whatever's going yeah. on, how do you help them? And what are some of the sort of advice you can give around failure and yeah. the approach to it? So, there's a couple of things I always focus on with that. Maybe three things, I guess, in total. But one of them is. Has it changed the 20-year plan? Mm-hmm. Of course it hasn't. No. Has it? So so just, you know, Calm down. stop being so soft, <laughs> right? And sort yourself out. Does this mean we can't achieve that? Of course not. That's the first thing. Second thing, I suspect we failed because what we need to do to get there de- demands qualities that we haven't quite got yet. So what you probably got from the failure is part of the recipe to get there. So please be grateful for your failure. Because today, we're probably one piece of experience and one piece of knowledge closer than we were yesterday. So failure is good because it's one step closer to where we're going. So reframe it totally. You probably needed something. I believe your subconscious mind says, hey, you need to learn humility. I'm going to teach you some humility now. Well, take the lesson. Leave the guilt. We don't need the guilt. Just take the lesson, not the guilt, and let's move forward. And the third thing is, is Stop having me coming round telling you to do it. Do it for yourself. Next time you fall over, don't phone me and say, oh, pick me up. Pick yourself up and phone me and tell you you did it. Yeah. Is what I want people to do. So I want people to, you know, we, we get people failing at Jeanette. They'll go into a hole for a week. I'm having, and they'll sort of say, I'm having one of those days. It's set them back for the whole day. Mm. You know, I want my people bouncing back from failure in a thought is where I'm trying to get them to. Because yeah. a thought is all it takes. That's, that's medical reality. We're only sulking 
and moaning and whinging for as long as we think we can get away with it before it starts to derail us. Yeah. And if that's a week, we'll moan for a week. And if it's a day, we'll moan for a day. When you're a cricketer and somebody's chucking a ball at your head at 95 miles an hour and one just misses your head, you can't spend a week moaning about that. You might get away with 10 seconds because he's coming back. And if he sees you fidgeting at the other end, the next one's coming at 96 miles an hour. So when it goes past your nose, you'd better look him right in the eye and say, is that the best you've got? Because <laughs> now he's going to lose it. Yeah. And the red mist is going to come down in his head. So I'm trying to, so I, I, I am coaching people to get over failure or whatever, or, or setbacks or fears in a second. Because in some of our environments, they have to. In other environments, they don't have to. So what they do is they, 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 they go into that dark place for as long as they can before it starts to have a really negative impact. And if that's a day, mm. you know, I used to have a boss and something had happened and you wouldn't talk to him for the rest of the day. And this was a, what became HSBC. And I'd be sat there with a million pound deal and my mate would be saying, hey, and I'd need his signature. And my mates would be saying, don't win there now. He'll pick holes in it. And I'm going, the customer needs an answer. Customer wants an answer. Well, he's going to get, off you go then. Go and get your answer. Yeah, yeah. And the answer was going to be no. Nothing to do with the application, to do with his mood that he was in. And Midland Bank let him get away with that. Mm. He got away with it. And he, and he, he mentored that behaviour in others. He, you know, we, you know, young managers would watch him having a bad day and think, oh, I'd, I'd better have a bad day. He once came up to me, this guy, and I was whistling or something in the office and I didn't know he was behind me. And he tapped me on the shoulder and said, excuse me, Mr. Finney, do you not know how bad things are? And I said, I'm sorry, mate, I don't, so, sorry, boss. He said, whistling? Things are bad here. <laughs> oh, my God. He wanted me to be miserable like him. Yeah. He was recruiting misery. If he wanted to be a manager, learn to be miserable when bad things happen. We were, we were mentoring that behaviour in people. And I was like that until I was 32 when I met these people from Aeon who just said, no, sorry, we don't do that. We don't do misery. We do optimism. We do resilience. We do creativity and determination and teamwork. And the darker it gets, the harder we play. And I wasted 16 years of my life not knowing that because mm. of that kind of mentoring. So, you know, when it comes to failure, bring it on. Yeah. Because it's helping us get somewhere. That's your subconscious mind saying, we need it. Yeah. And arguably, if you're not failing, you're playing small. You're, you're not playing safe, you're, 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 you? Yeah, you're not, you're not actually trying hard enough. We're dealing with it all the time. We're dealing, working on billion, multi-billion pound projects. And we've got to get people to dare to dream, to be the greatest of all time, not to be safe. Because mm. playing safe doesn't mean risks, it doesn't mean innovation. You know what I mean? We're not, in, we're not doing it, are we? No. We're building things at the moment on a project that, that I can't say more about it, but they, they don't exist. The human race has never done some of the things we're working on. Multi-billion pound projects. So we have to think differently mm. and we have to be bold. And yet you've got people in this team thinking, oh God, what if, what if I do it and it doesn't, what if I design this new thing and it doesn't work? Right? Because of exactly what you've said, Jeanette, mm. there. Mm. And we've got to get them beyond that conditioned cultural, actually, in that case. 300 people on this project. A cultural piece of thinking. Yeah. Don't fail. You know, don't make mistakes. Don't risk anything. All that stuff. And we've got to break that mould. Mm. And we've got to break it quickly. So you're dead right. It just encourages mediocrity. Yeah. yeah. And our business card says greatness, not mediocrity. Absolutely. But you've got to embrace failure. Take it on the chin mm -hmm. and pick yourself up. You know, listen, I've, listen. for your podcast, I've been 
extreme, haven't I, today, saying one word. We know people are going to go to dark places, but you're not helping yourself. You're not doing anything. Yeah. Get out of there and teach yourself that you are your own source of resilience. Mm. And, mm. and amaze yourself with how quickly you can get over something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't stay there too long. Don't stay there. Yeah, because it might make other people feel better, but it's not helping you. Mm. You've, you've got to get out of it. 100%. You've got to. And so that's what I want to teach people. So that's my thing for... For failure, you know, you embrace it. Yeah. But take responsibility. Don't call me to help you fix it. Own call it. me when you've fixed it. Own it. Own it. Own it. And call me to show off. Yeah. And say, Mike, I had a real setback this morning. Sent me down for four minutes. <laughs> Come on, baby. Now we're talking. Now we're going to be able to climb the mountain. Absolutely. Because we're learning that. We're learning that the resilience doesn't come from Michael Finnegan or from eight pints of lager or whatever, which is where people go, right? Mm -mm. It comes from within. Mm. And it was always there. So we knock it out of people, Jeanette. We knock it. I once phoned this place, right? And, and this lady said to me, uh, I said, she, she just sounded uh, under stress on the reception. And I could hear it in her voice. And I said, listen, before you put me through, how are you this morning? And she said, not too bad for a Monday. Now that is a conditioned cultural mm. response that tells me so much about, not about, about her, but about where she works and what she's hearing and what she's surrounded by. So I said to this lady, you're not gonna believe this, but it's Monday here. She said, I'm sorry, I said, I'm calling from a Monday. <laughs> and she went, oh, and I, and I said, so why don't you ask me how I am? So she was like, she said to me, well, how, how are you then? And I always have a daft answer. I said, I'm absolutely on believable today right and she said you should work here darling we'd soon knock that out of you wow because that's what we do yeah the place where she was working was teaching her not to come in and be absolutely unbelievable it was teaching her to come in and be all right to be good enough to cope and get by mm -hmm. now greatness doesn't come from that greatness comes from audacity and doesn't it and love yeah, 100%. and an amazing belief and teamwork is where it comes from. And we just don't spend enough time on it. No. I'm we don't. 100% right. We don't. And, and talk about the teamwork side, because you work with individuals, obviously. You work with big teams. You said three, you know, 300 plus yeah, on yeah, this project yeah. you're working on at the moment, which sounds very exciting. Can't wait till the big reveal yeah, comes yeah. for that. 20 um, years time, the project's got to be ready. <laughs> I'm still around in 20 years time. <laughs> Come, Come to the launch. <laughs> Me and Pauline, will yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll be 100, Pauline. <laughs> exactly. She'll be getting that letter yeah, from the Queen. She will. She will. Um, absolutely. But yeah, when you're working with a team and you've got a mixture of personalities, people are coming from different places aren't they some are re incredibly enthusiastic you yeah. know other people are maybe slightly more cautious negative or whatever how do you how do you bring the team together what what, what are the kind of the big um sort of game shifters really yeah. for a team working yeah together? So, so what you've got to do first thing is you've got to get them on the same page right you, we've yeah. got to say because you know what's happening if i'm going into the fa cup final you think we're going to lose two nil and I think we might lose 3-0, and somebody's trying to win 1-0, we've got three different objectives there. That's We've got to coalesce around one. Yep. So the leader's job is to make sure we all agree on one thing, a vision, a goal, whatever you call a purpose, call it what you will, but we've got to get that. And what we've and what we've then got to do is find the trigger that will get you to buy into it. Now, the enthusiasts, right, they'll just sign up to it straight. They helped create it, didn't they? So they'll sign up to it straight away. But you know the more cynical ones or whatever, they'll 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 need some 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 coaching maybe and some coalescing into it. But actually, what'll happen is, and where we go is, we go away from that. We put that to one side now, and we find out about the person, mm. and we find out about things in his life that he needs to change and he wishes he could work on. 
Now that might be his brother's going downhill since he lost his job. It might be that his daughter's going through her A-levels and she's got anxiety. We talk about that. Mm. So we now talk about your role in helping your brother or your daughter or whatever it is yeah. get over their thing. And boy, you feel good about that, right? Mm. When you learn these, so these, so you're not, we're not talking about this business objective. Oh, who cares? Sod that. We're not interested in that. I'm interested in you. I want to help you fight your battle. Now, when he's done that and he comes back and says, hey, my daughter, two B's and a C or whatever, mm. got to university. Yeah. We talk about this business plan. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, so, it, yeah. so now he's like, so now he's looking at his manager saying, you brought the guy in who helped my daughter get her A-levels and helped my brother get a job or whatever. I and mean, we never talked about the business plan. So I think I owe you. Yeah. I think I owe, not me. No, they, I think I owe you. Yeah. How can I help? Amazing. Gone. Yeah. Gone. And everybody wants something, Jeanette. Everybody wants something. Everybody wants the dog to behave better or the granddaughter, don't, don't they? Mm. Or, or so yeah. everybody wants something. So let's find out what it is. Let's go and get it. Mm. And then when we've got it and we've got rid of all that, let's talk about this magnificent objective, which, by the way, is going to make your granddaughter and your daughter or your brother admire you even more when you go home in three years' time and say, what have you been doing at work today? I've been helping the team achieve this. You're going to go up in their estimation, but you, that's got to come second, Jeanette. We've got to, it's always with us, person first, employee second. Yeah. Forget that. Let's find out what, what their sense of greatness is. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm going on, but, but it's that. So, so make it, per, so, so let's, go, let's go for the same vision first of all. But then, just part that for a minute. Get me on the bus now by, by buying me in, by helping me mm. climb one of my mountains. And actually, do you know what? The number of times that the people around the room will say, you never told me that. About your daughter. Well, we've got a macho culture, don't we? We don't talk about stuff like that, do we? Or maybe you didn't ask. Yeah, maybe you didn't ask. Maybe you weren't interested. Maybe I, you know, we spent so much time. We were, we were talking. I can't even say the name of this, right? We were talking the other day in this factory, massive factory, 14,000 people. And we were talking about banter. Here's another tip. Stop with the banter. Because you know what the banter's about? Uh... You've lost a couple of couple of teeth, and I start calling you wobbly or something. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. A negative nickname, negative, negative, negative. You know, I'm a Manchester United fan. They lost four nil. Oh, I can't wait for Monday morning yeah, yeah. to tell you what a rubbish team you support. Horrific. Now you're giving me all that, right? Which means what I'm looking out for now is the is the time when one of the things that you love falls over. And now it's my turn, yeah. and you're having it, right? Yeah. And that's supposed to build team spirit, mm. and I've never seen it, ever. And that means when I want to talk to you about my granddaughter, I can't, because yeah. you'll use it against me, right? Mm -hmm. So so if you're a boss, uh, do me a favour, get an inspirational, compelling vision, and then get rid of that nonsense, and make it so that we can trust each other, respect each other. And support each other mm. and then the mountain will move but you've got to do that so that's just occurred to me there that that's it's massive that yeah drives me mad we stop it we start behaving like grown-ups and not 14 year olds yeah and a lot of places want to be 14 mm. well you'll never get anywhere sorry i don't and I, I i defend that i back that back quite a lot oh it's only banter no it isn't 
Jimmy White, when I started working with Jimmy White, he had a, a taxi driver, he had a driver, and Jimmy was 37. And it's in his book list, by the way. So again, mm. I'm not giving any secrets away, but Jimmy was 37. His driver was 25, and he was called Salad. And I remember thinking, why is he called Salad? Do you know how he was called Salad? He was 35 stone. Oh, so they were just, yeah. Just salad. Nasty, yeah, yeah. And he's dead now, Salad. Salad didn't make 40. Funny, eh? Isn't it? I've got a great idea. Let's call him Salad. So Jimmy was looking at me, and it's over his, you know, at the start, it's over his head, but, you know, it's only a joke. He's like, yeah, but look at him. Yeah, but you're getting him to play the tape. When he forgets to play the tape, you switch, you switch, you switch play for him. You play the tape for him. Stop it. You're a child. We want to be top five in the world. We have to be like a grown-up. Stop it. And that goes on all over the world, all the time. Even the way people greet each other. How are you this morning? Don't ask. Not too bad, consider it. Right. Stop it. Stop it. How are you this morning? Unbelievable. Right. Let's be unbelievable today. Right? 100%. 100%. And it's, I know it sounds daft that, but they're the tiny fragmented building blocks of the DNA that lead to great achievement. And if you want that, you'll start here. Mm. Well, you're training the subconscious brain, aren't you, as well? You know, even if you don't necessarily 100% feel it, say it. If you say it often enough, you know, you will feel it. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I'm going to make you realise, if you want to keep working here, you're going to have to start saying it. Yeah. And if you don't want to say it, maybe you need to go somewhere else. Exactly. Where you can be average or not too bad for a Monday or looking forward to the weekend. Right. Good. Go work there. Because we need top brains on this. Because mm. it's hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Climbing to the top of this mountain is going to be hard. Yeah, yeah. We need quality yeah. and togetherness and trust and respect. And we need that. So go somewhere else if you don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind saying that. Yeah, and, and we'll change. We can change. Yeah, we can help you change. Stick your hand up and say, I think I need to change. Great. We're going to help you. And you will make it if you want to. You know, your grandma said no such word as can't. Yeah. Well, she was right. Yeah. She was right. It's, not, it's never can't, it's only won't. Don't want to. That's all it ever is. So we're pretty ruthless with stuff like that. It's, it's you know, like, no, it's going to be great here. You're going to come here and you're going to work with people who are brilliant. You're going to work here with people who've got your back, not people who call you salad. So you kill yourself when you're 35. No, we're not doing that. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to work with it in a safe environment that's an inspirational environment. Mm. And you're going to love it. And, and that means somebody will come and headhunt you for more money and you won't go. Just stay here because we got you. Yeah. <laughs> we got you, and you're ours forever. Then yeah. you, can't, you can't buy that, can you? Not at all. Not you can't at all. buy it. That's what we're trying to trying to get to. Amazing. So, do you ever have a bad day yourself? Because mm. your energy is amazing, right? I mean, you, you walk into the room, your big smile immediately, you exude warmth. Mm. You know, an old boss of mine, actually, Richard Prosser, who I work with at Tui, he used to always say to me, Jeanette, there are two types of people in life. There are radiators that exude warmth right, okay, and energy that make you feel good when you, you know, feel warm. And there are drains. Right. There are those people that they just, they just like suck the energy out of the room, right? Yeah, and yeah. we, are, nice we, one, we all like know it. a few people like that, right? Like and obviously it. what you do is, is work to overcome that. Yeah. But you yourself, your presence, your aura, you know, immediately, I've, first time I've met you today, and I'm like, 
wow, this is a guy I really want to be in your company, hear oh, what you've got kind. to say, because your energy is amazing. You, you, you're positive, you're smiley, you go for it, which is exactly the kind of person I like to right. be around, right. 100%. But what about you? What about you? And, you know, how do you, do you have a bad day? If you do, yeah. how do you pull yourself out? Because yeah. it's great to give the advice to other people, but sometimes it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to do it yourself, It starts isn't with it? you, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and I'd say, if you looked at the old me before I met the Aeon people, then yes. Yeah. Yes. And I was one of the ones with the work. I had the best banter ever, you know. That's how you got uh, points in your hierarchy up the pecking order at, yeah. at the banks I worked at. Like, this lady was always late. I was, I'd have been... 25, I remember this lady, Judith, walking in. It was always late. She walked in early. And I, and I, and I went, hey, everybody, Judith's here. And the old, there was about 30 people looked up. I said, Judith, have you wet the bed? So I don't know what kind of person I am. Mm. And everybody laughed. So Judith's now diminished mm. and I am elevated. Yeah. Really? Really? And, and what, Midland Bank thought that was all right, was it? To say the Midland Bank, the listening bank with nothing between its ears. I made that up. That's all right, is it? You know what I mean? So that's the kind of person I used to be before I met these guys who said, who said, stop it. It's not funny. And we don't do that at Aon. You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's the kind of person I was. So do I still have bad days? I, I, I don't think so. I think I have bad minutes. Mm. And what I might do is whatever's bothering me today might bother me for a, for a minute. And then I go, hey, stop it. Right? If you want your granddaughter... To, to get over things, then be the change, be the example she needs. So I've always got a, I'm always thinking about people like that. I'm thinking about Pauline, mm. who, who look up to me, you know. I'm thinking about Roberta Martinez. I'm thinking about Darren Clark and Ronnie O'Sullivan and people like that. Right? I'm thinking about people like that. And I'm thinking, oh, come on, you've got, to, you've got to be the leader for them. So that thing might bother me for a minute. And then three hours later, it might bother me for another minute. And I'm like, how long are you going to keep doing this? So I'm, I'm having a word with myself. You know that phrase, have a word <laughs> with yourself, right? Give your head a wobble. All these things we say. Yeah. Grow up, sort yourself out. I'm doing that. So what I'll get is not a protracted period of a, I won't lose that. Mm. I'll lose seconds and I'll lose minutes. And then, and then, it, and then it'll still affect me tomorrow. And it might affect me occasionally every day. But it's, it's a fraction of what it was, mm. uh, Jeanette. And partly that is training. Partly that is the realisation that it's only happened to take me on my journey to where I'm trying to get to. You know, it's partly of yeah. that kind of wisdom. Yeah. And, and, and partly of it is surrounding yourself with amazing people who, who just won't let you go there, you know. But yet, so yes, I do, but not days, minutes that might repeat and then it gets, it gets less. And I, I do realise that I have the power. I've spent a lot of time studying people like, e, like Edith Figer, who was in mm. Auschwitz and Viktor Frankl in Dachau and... You know, they, Edith Eager says she went into Auschwitz when she was 16 and she went in for eight months. So it was almost at the end of the war. Uh, and she's 96, I think now, either. She's in her late 90s. This is me saying Edith as if I know her, I don't know her. But she's, she's 90 odd years old now, that lady, nearly 100. And she says, the people say to me, the Nazis must have ruined your life. No, they ruined eight months of my life. I did the rest, right? And she said when she got to 50, so that's 34 years, right? So eight months influenced 34 years. And she said, to, she said to herself, Edith, enough, enough. That's ruined the first half of your life. Don't let it ruin the second. Now, it took her, she talks in her books about how it, why did it take me 34 years to get there? Well, I wish it hadn't because it was 34 years wasted. So her becoming a psychoanalyst and a psychotherapist and helping people, didn't happen when she was 25 or 35 or mm. 45. It happened after she had a 
a little word with herself. Mm. You know, so, so you see these great teachers who, who give you that wisdom and you think, well, if she can do it, I can do it. You know, that's, that's where you end up. And then you look at Pauline thinking, hey, come on, she's a pilot. Like, what's your problem? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so I do have, have things like that and I try and snap myself out of it. And the love of people around you and, and clients and people who are looking up to you help. Because you realise you, you've got to be the role model, you know. Yeah, fantastic. So anyone listening, have a word with yourself. Have a you, word have with a yourself. Word with yourself. And, and you know, what happens, right? So when I was first talking to Darren Clark, his caddy said, when he hits a bad shot, it takes him 45 minutes to do that. So I said to him, why does it take you 45 minutes? And he said, I don't know. I think I just forget what I was mad at. <laughs> right? So I said, so why can't you do that after 44 minutes then? And he looked at me and he went, oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> so where am I going? He said, 45 seconds. I said, well, I, I don't know. I don't play golf. And his caddy said, it'd be a lot better if it was 45 seconds and 45 minutes. So it's only a choice, isn't it? Why does he go for 45 minutes? I don't know. Mm. But why not 44 minutes or 43.5 minutes or 40, you know, why not 39 minutes kind of thing? And you just realise it's under your control. You decide how long to go there for. Mm. Nobody else decides. There's a lovely quote by... Um, by, uh, by a guy called Marcus Aurelius, an em a Roman emperor. He's in Gladiator, actually, isn't he? I don't know who yeah. plays him in Gladiator. But he says, if some, he says, if something ails or bothers you, it isn't the thing itself. It's the importance that you attach to it. Mm. And that, you have the power to change at any time. Now, he's writing that 200 AD. Yeah. 1,800 years ago, this wisdom was there. So do me a favour. Can we just do that? Because yeah. if it worked then, it works now. Darren Clark decided to go there for 45 minutes. Now, getting from world number 35 to world number 7, where he got to, a lot of that was like, right, a bit of bad shot. Come on, Billy. Come on, let's sort it out. And he was like, right, good. Now we've got a chance of getting there. Because now we're spending the next three minutes thinking about how to get out of this hole we've dug ourselves into, not blaming you for the, giving me the wrong club and the wrong yardage and all that, right? Yeah. Get away from it. Get away from it. You've got the control. And we've all got it. Yeah. I always think you've got to select your thoughts like you select your clothes every day. Oh, nice. I like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do. And, uh, and it's not always easy, but it is a choice, isn't it? It's always a choice. It is a choice. Even to not make a decision is still a choice. Of course it is. It's still a decision, isn't it? It's still a, yeah, it's still a decision. Isn't it? You've still, got to, you've still got to do it. People go, I haven't decided. You have decided. You decided not to do it. Yeah, that's right. It's a choice. Yeah. My, one of my own bosses used to say, good decision, bad decision, no decision, in that order. When he was teaching me to take yeah. over, you know. But it's still a decision, isn't it? Yeah, get, make a bloody decision. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it's true. It's <laughs> I have true. no it's patience true. either. Have You're you impatient. Oh. I'm impatient. Right. Good. I like it. <laughs> exactly. Life's too bloody short. Yeah. You can make every good. minute count. And we need somebody, you know. I mean, I don't know if you do, but I need to remember to slow down sometimes. Yes. 90% of people are patient. Yeah. So we're in a minority. Yeah. And we've got to use it, haven't we, and channel it for good. Yeah. Because... From us comes the ability to hit deadlines and urgency and do it quicker and better and you know all that yes, stuff. So we have yeah. our part, but not everybody's like us, thank goodness. No, right? no, absolutely. And and also I think that's the other thing, isn't it? You have to respect that other people maybe do go at a different pace, you know, and, yeah. and maybe they have to maybe they process things in a different way. And yeah. I think you get a bit wiser to that as you get older. And embrace it, you? right? Yeah. And don't don't blame the differences, celebrate the 
yeah. celebrate the differences. Is Absolutely, hundred percent. We could talk all bloody day, you know. That, don't you? Seriously, <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, you've got, you've got you've got a very busy schedule it's ahead. It's been fun, so have you. Oh no, fantastic! So I've got a couple of final questions. Go on. We might I'm going to have to get you back on the podcast again. Okay, I'd love to. For yeah. Mark Two, and okay. we'll, we'll do okay. some more digging around. We've scratched the surface. We have. We? We've, we've made a little start. Yeah. Good. I would love <laughs> the to. The best Thank is yet you. to come. Um, but no, this has been fantastic. So you know, when you look back over all of your illustrious career, <laughs> illustrious career, something's happened over there. Okay. But I'm going to keep going. So can you think of um, the best piece of advice? that you've ever been given? I think there's a, there's a couple, really. I mean, the, the billionaire, W. Clement Stone, one of his direct quotes was, dream big, dream really big, right? And I love that. Yeah. So I, I love that. I love to get people to say, yeah, but come on, like you said before, what if, you know? So getting people to dream big, I think, was great. When I sat down to create this business in 1992, I had a great career anyway, earned loads of money at Sotgen for, for going to Wimbledon and Henley Regatta and didn't mm. do any of it right mm. by then. Um, so I had to walk, I was walking away from a lot and I thought, right, so if, if, if this guy's talking about dreaming big, then what do I have to do? So I thought, right, well, I want to work for Manchester United. I want to win the FA Cup. I want to be the Open champion. And I wrote all those things down. I want to work for the England cricket team. I want to win the, and, and, and I wrote them all down, done them all. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. Now, if I hadn't, I'd have been. The, 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 you know, I don't know if you're going to ask. Are you going to ask me the worst piece? Of, I am. Oh yeah. Yes. So, so the worst piece of advice would have been be realistic. Mm. Please don't do. Please don't do that. There's a lovely lady called Anne Rand who said that one person with courage is a majority. So be the person with courage and go and dream it. And what will happen is then the people who are horrible and who are miserable and just want to be mediocre, they will gravitate away from you because they'll think you're nuts. And the ones who will help you and who believe in you will be pulled towards you. So that if you're in the middle, realistic, the, the ones who want to help you can't tell. So they don't want to force it on you. So they, they don't know you want to be amazing. So by being grey, you miss out and you end up with grey people surrounding you. So when you put those that boldness out there, I mean, you've got it, haven't you? Brave, bold. When you be brave and bold and brilliant, that attracts people towards you, will help you, and it repels the people who otherwise would stop. So. I guess best advice, go and go for it. You know, dream as big as you possibly can. And the worst advice would be be realistic. Please get rid of that word from your vocabulary. I don't want to hear it. You know, people talk to me about smart goals. Oh, dear me. Well, okay, let's be specific and measurable because then we know we've got there. And let's put a time frame around it. But please get rid of words achievable and realistic. Who put them in? And you know what it is? Smith, I guess, doesn't work, does it? Maybe Smith. <laughs> so I go, let's set some Smith goals, you know. <laughs> and let's just do that because who judges what's realistic? Who judges what's achievable? You know, get out of my head. Get lost. Go and give that advice to somebody else. So best, be, be you know, be bold. And worst, be realistic. Mm. Get lost. I agree, one hundred percent. Well, do. it's a lovely title for your I podcast. Do. So, I, well, and that leads me up to my final question. Perfectly, but go before on. I ask that, oh, go on. before I ask that, yeah. So, where can people kind of track you down, Michael? You're um, all over the place. I yeah, know. they can. I think we're at itohq.com. Okay. Letter I, number two, letter I, which stands for Impossible to Inevitable, and it stands for that because the billionaire, his favourite song was the Impossible Dream. So yeah. we want people to dream the impossible, and then to make it. Inevitable. So it's i2ihq.com. 
Perfect. And I'm never there, but somebody is. You're going to get inundated. (laughs) As if you're not already inundated. We'll see. Absolutely. So the last question then. Podcast is called Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Mm. The three Bs. Yeah, I love it. Um, What does it mean to you when you think of that either as individual words or as a collective? What what does it mean to you, Michael? When I see that, I see the face of W. Clement Stone. And I see the face of Pauline, my mum, and people like that. I see the face of Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu and Eleanor Roosevelt and Edith Eager. I see those faces and I think that's what they did, right? So I want to be remembered alongside people. No, I never will be, but I want to be remembered alongside people like that. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet there. I don't yeah, mean that. Yeah. But I would love to be thought of in those terms because that's what they embody, don't they? So yeah. I think it's wonderful, your, your name. You are subliminally telling us to go and do that. And that's who I aspire to you know, sit alongside one day to be thought of in, in terms like that. In, a, in And I try to say that in a humble sense, but, you know, I've been privileged to be around people like Tutu and the Dalai Lama and, and, and Mandela and seen the shadow that they've cast on their people. And and so when I, when I hear those words, the three Bs, that's who I think of. I can't think of a better thing you could do than, than ask people to, to think about who inspires them and, and go and emulate them and elevate them, you know. Oh, amazing. Michael, honestly, I've had such a good time oh, having yeah. a chat I with you. I absolutely loved it. I have. I have. Seriously, massive thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a privilege. Oh, you're welcome. Very welcome. <laughs> I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.